Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. Siobhan Clover is a writer, a poet, who was born and raised in Sussex County, Delaware, and was recently published in the Delaware Bards Poetry Review, 2023. At the age of nine, she began to participate in school plays, where she studied performance and theatrical production. COVID-19 interrupted her first year at George Washington University. In her work, she expresses love, grief, psychology, magic, queerness, politics, and the beauty and horror of life sometimes using older myths and stories to illustrate these themes. Her goal is to create a space for solace and a call to action through expressing her worldview. This is even if the call is just to sit and feel. As a poet, she strengthens and amplifies her voice among the emerging generation of poets. Siobhan, welcome to the program. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> it is an honor and a privilege. Uh, thank oh. you so much for having me on. You know, when I'm nervous, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. You're in great company. <laughs> <laughs> because... When I first heard you share your work, I was thunderstruck. So for the fact that you said yes, that you would join me, just makes me happy, and it makes me nervous, too. Aww. Well, thank right. you so much. Um, I've honestly felt the same uh, when uh, we first met. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the way that you – just the expert way that you deliver your words uh, – it's something that I'm quite jealous of, uh, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a few things that people are jealous of, so if that's one you want to choose, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Let's begin this poetic journey. Siobhan, sure. what is poetry? All right. Um... Well, that is a big question, of course. Uh, I'm not going to be the only one to be able to answer that, but I'll uh, do my best within uh, my ability. Uh, so the way that I see it is poetry is a channel for expression um, and kind of just like exploring these uh, universal truths about existence and whatever is beyond that, right, because I don't know. <laughs> Um, it's also kind of like a time capsule. It's like this like snapshot of time and perspective where like essentially it's, it's dug up like years later, like long after the uh, person who wrote it has maybe passed. I feel like it's such an encapsulation of that 
specific moment in time where you were thinking and feeling those things. And it usually, uh, if it meets, reaches the right person, it can, uh, you know, really resonate even like long past, even when the page itself is deteriorating. All right. Tell me some more about what is poetry from your heart? From my heart, uh, poetry is the only thing that keeps my sanity intact. Uh, it is the rawest expression of myself uh, that I think I've been able to discover uh, thus far. Uh, it's, uh, it's just words on a page that are uh, structured in a way that is so personal uh, to me personally, like the way that I put things is so specific. Uh, the images that I'm invoking are so specific to that type of feeling that I'm having. Um, it's really just like this raw kind of like, here you go. Here are these feelings. Uh, are you going to uh, resonate with them uh, or not? <laughs> okay, okay. So that's the micro answer. So when we think about the macro, why is poetry important? Well, um, I will say poetry is important, like, period. Uh, but, of course, I'll qualify that since you're asking. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's important because it, it provides, like, an opportunity for uh people to find similarities among like different lived experiences like you and i obviously have not had the same uh time here on this planet but i might write something that's like oh that hurts my heart because i had this experience like not that long ago something like that it mm -hmm. it provides that opportunity to uh kind of point out uh, where we uh, are similar and where we are not. Uh, and that, that in itself, uh, it bridges divides. It can trigger epiphanies. It helps you develop a greater understanding of the world. And mm -hmm. through that understanding, it can bring about change on like an individual. And maybe later on, it can bring change on a collective level as well. Mm -hmm. hmm. What is your definition of lived experiences? And I'll share mine. Sure. Um, I think that lived experiences are uh, the surroundings, uh, so the circumstances that you are existing uh, at this, like, specific point in time that we're focusing on. Um, and it's basically all of the memories, all of the things that you are uh, carrying that was, like, passed down from you uh, to you. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's everything. Um, it's the, the synapses in your brain that are firing at that point in time that made you think about this specific instance in that specific way. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, really hard to, I guess, uh, whittle down to a few words. <laughs> All right. Well, I've defined it in some of my articles as being the stories that people share about their world. Mm 
That's a great way to look at it. I like both. I like yours and I like mine. <laughs> we'll compromise. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll define it together after the show. All right. <laughs> now, <laughs> is there a memory you might be able to share with us about the time when you discovered that poetry had power? Sure. A poetic language. Yes. Yeah. So I've been, like, thinking about this uh, a good amount. Um, And this is tangentially related, uh, but I do think that it's uh, something worth sharing. Uh, So uh, as I kind of – we talked about before, uh, my uh, predominant experience in the arts is within the theater. And so my freshman year of high school, uh, we had this uh, final exam in our theater class, uh, and it was to deliver a monologue uh, that we chose or either wrote ourselves. Um, I wrote mine about my journey with uh, mental health up until that point in time. Um, And (laughs) when I finished performing it, I realized that somebody uh, in the audience was like bawling their eyes out. Like she was like sobbing. And I was like, oh my God, I, I didn't mean to do that. Right, <laughs> um, right. And although I guess it wasn't poetry in like the very like narrow de- definition of that, I really understood like the power of written word, um, mm-hmm. even if it was words that I could put together. Are you there? Hello? Yes. <laughs> I couldn't hear you Sorry. for a moment. You're going Sorry. in and out. Can Barely. Can you hear me? I can't hear you, but I'd like you to speak up just a little. Okay, is this, is this better? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Okay, we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of night, you know. Yeah. yeah. Middle of the month. <laughs> yeah. All right. Retrograde. Yeah, true. All right, here we go. <laughs> All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Sure. Uh, so I have a pretty long list. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say uh, I'm going to separate these. Uh, so I'm going to uh, share some of my written uh, word inspirations. Uh, and I'm also going to write down, uh, I have written down here, some musical inspirations, because uh, I take a lot of uh, inspiration from uh, music, actually. Uh, so I would say for written word, um, that would be uh, Shakespeare, <laughs> uh, right. uh, Edgar Allan Poe, um, and Warson Shire. Um, and to me, these writers are all very different. Uh, they tackle different uh, themes and uh, stories within their work. 
um, which I think they're my inspirations because of that, because of the, I guess, like diversity of um, expression and uh, the different stories that they're telling. Um, so, yeah, that would be like my written word uh, inspirations. Some of my musical inspirations uh, would be uh, Florence Welch, um, uh, an artist named Hosier, and uh, Suvion Stevens uh, as uh, songwriters. Now, you didn't say Lawrence Welk, did you? Uh, no, that would be uh, Florence Welch. <laughs> okay. Have you, Florence, have you ever heard of Lawrence Welk? I feel like I definitely have. The name is uh, ringing the bell in my head. Okay. Well, he's a old-time musician. He had a show on TV that families would watch every Saturday night. All right. <laughs> I was like, wow, she goes way I'll have back. to look into him. Definitely. All right. All right. Now, you know, as I read over your bio, in terms of the things that you write about, you write about a number of different topics. Which theme do you write about most often? Um. I feel like the through line of uh, my body of work would be um, probably like the paradigm of like love and grief uh, because okay. I feel like they're they're the same feeling. It's just like a different flavor of it. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like those are the uh, uh, topics that I fall. Uh, most upon uh, when I'm when I'm writing something. All right, please share a poem. Will do. So this is uh, called a reading of visitation. The hierophant mocks me when I call upon the schema. The answer lies in tradition, child. Reflect on the values you were raised with and say three Hail Marys for good measure. I request clarification. Third eye blinking with hands that work too hard in the graveyard shift at a dead-end job. A man stumbles into frame, drunk on love lost and what was once in the five goblets that lay at his feet. Can you give me insight, kind sir? I shout without hostility. You forget when you forgive. I would rather die unhappy than release myself from this cruelty so romantic. May I have another perspective? Cards shuffle, fingers quiver. A priestess of high station leans into my ear with a whisper, you are a daughter of the universe. The medicine for your ills lies within your spirit. I wouldn't be asking for help if I already had what I need. She shakes her head with disapproval. But you haven't tuned in, have you? She holds out her palm with a concentration in her brow and conjures a wheel that emerges from the flesh of her hand, spinning fast enough to disrespect physics. Each spoke within this wheel is a choice you can make. 
The wheel spins at this pace of this paradigm. It neither stops nor speeds. You must study its spin and develop the dexterity to act, to grab the spoke that speaks to you and cling to it with resolve. Dwelling is for the dead, darling. Act with power and with kindness, and I promise that the universe will spin with you and not against you. Thank you very much. Wow. Please share another. Sure. Uh, This one is uh, called The Death of Summer. The cold is coming back. You can feel it in the nightly absence of the infernal assault of flames from the sky. When the world is adorned with unsustainable light and lips misplace their discretion, I will admit that it is a homecoming I have been anticipating, ice and simple landscapes, the death before rebirth, the self-assured surrender to the inevitable. Summer tends to overstay its welcome, and I have grown weary of sweat, of heat, of shaky hands, and of how temporary the warmth seems to be. The seasons are changing every year, and the unpredictability is terrifying, for lack of a poetic turn of phrase. Endless summer seems to only be a fantasy. People stick to the rear of their car, an advertisement of their eventual disappointment in the turning of the earth, the last visible object in sight before the ravenous horizon swallows them whole. There is a type of stagnancy that falls softly and quietly from the winter gray clouds. Something comforting about the silence and the shadows you meet in the street in the dead of night. I dream of frostbite and traveling through a landscape at rest, dreaming in the light of the sun and the moon. It is quite Piscean to fantasize and ignore the hurricane that has been brewing undetected. So shelter in place, little fish. Be witness to nature's retaliation. The Morgan has long since decreed the eruption of a great reckoning, so offer your pound of flesh or have it taken from you. (laughs) Offer your spare coins to the goddess of the hearth. May she nurture the fire you build once the cold permeates your bones after stormy fury washes your neighbors away and before the solar flares claim our lives and legacies. There is a stillness, a gentleness of snowfall that grants me a sense of security. The skies don't express much rage at all, but the snowflakes bring a warning, a reminder that the star we miss will one day be our murderer. Thank you. Wow. You know, I was sitting here thinking that you seem to write far beyond your years. Do you do that on purpose? Why, thank you. Do you um, do that on purpose? I don't believe so. Um, I, I don't go into writing with that type of intention, uh, but... Okay. You are certainly not the first person to um, have referred to me in such a way before. Um, I don't know where it comes from. (laughs) Okay. Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? 
I just want to know more. Sure. Um, I do enjoy it. Um, I do like uh, kind of structuring my language in a way uh, that gives that type of impression. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that it is – a standard that uh, does have to be upheld once you are labeled in a way that is wise. You know, uh, okay. when when you uh, had that gift of wisdom, uh, you know, way back when, uh, you would be uh, asked to take a position where you would essentially tell people these prophecies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that can be kind of burdensome. You know, some people could be asking about something very uh, – uh, heart-wrenching, you know. Um, so I, I do think that it is a power and a responsibility uh, to be able to wield words in such a way. Now, do you think possibly the your muse or an entity takes over when you're writing? Sorry? that a muse or an entity takes over when you're writing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I do feel like uh, sometimes I will sit down to write, um, and then all of a sudden I have, like, you know, the the bare bones of an idea that I can kind of start to edit, that I can kind of add more onto. Uh, it definitely feels like I uh, experience a form of possession. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I just wondered. I mean, just listening to you, your words are so grown up. <laughs> I <don't, laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even write words like that. <laughs> and I'm old. And I'm old. <laughs> So I commend you. <laughs> well, let Thank me ask you. you. I appreciate it. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Is a poem letting your guard down or building a wall? Mm, that is a great question. Um, I think I was definitely putting a guard up at first. Um, I actually, uh, one of my mentors, uh, uh, she described my work, uh, when I first started to kind of talk to her about poetry, um, she described my work as a red hot fire hidden among a bramble bush. Uh, so there was like something there, there was a passion, there was, um, a rawness that I was kind of obscuring uh, because I was scared of uh, truly letting these very vulnerable topics just lay on the page as it is. Um, I think I've definitely grown out of that. um, And I'm definitely, uh, (laughs) sometimes I joke to myself and I'm like, whoever's reading this, they're going to know way more than the people that are like in my life, like my friends and my loved ones. Um, they, they might get to know me a little bit better (laughs) if they read my work. Does it hurt you to write poetry? Mm. Sometimes, uh, most times it's a type of, uh, catharsis. 
um, it's a it's a release. Uh, but sometimes um, sometimes it is kind of uh, picking at a wound uh, and uh, maybe like digging up a grave that has been buried there for a while, um, and that does hurt to kind of look back on those memories. Uh, but um, more often than not, uh, once I have something completed, I'm like, uh, there's there's that relief there mm-hmm. and uh, that soothing type of feeling. All right. Please share another poem. I would love to. Um, this is called The Other World. There once was a castle that bore my family name before wars manufactured by greed made the whole world bleed. The covetous hearts and violent hands that have infiltrated every inch of this planet have convinced their descendants to write textbooks that absolve them of their transgressions. Too many of our family trees have stories oozing from axe marks like sap of displacement and attempted cultural murder, ancestors who were taken by force or who fled to save their skin, ashes to ashes, dust to golden ages and triumphs. The only thrones left intact are the ones made of bones. The poverty line is tunneling through the lobbies of luxury apartment buildings in the respectable part of the city. And those who share lineage with pharaohs dream of a life made of more than survival are sleeping on infrastructure constructed in hostility. I offer nothing but burial rights for the legacy stolen from us, the pages omitted from history books. To those who came before me, thank you for the scrappy resilience that gave me this life. Thank you for the words like prophecies. Thank you for the humor, the folklore, the recipes, the magic you passed on by mouth to your children's children's children. Thank you for your loving protection spell that you have cast from the ether, the celestial safety you provide because you were not granted that luxury. I feel your ancient hunger pains, and I ask for your grace if I cannot satiate them before I meet you in the other world. Thank you. What was the purpose of that poem? Um, So I was kind of reflecting on uh, colonization, uh, and just the way that uh, for most people on this planet, uh, there's that, uh, like, generational trauma from that. Um, and I specifically wanted to focus on uh, the history of uh, the uh, Irish colonization, um, because I felt like that I could say more about that than anything else. I don't want to, okay. you know, step on any toes or anything. But mm-hmm. I also did want to create that uh, connection. Like, hey, you know, um, I know a thing or two about what has happened in the past. Uh, and I guess it was also kind of a piece of uh, solidarity for uh, 
uh, people that have a bit more of a visceral uh, history with that. So with your poetry, what do you want it to do and where do you want it to go? Um, well, uh, the way that I see uh, poetry is that, uh, like for me personally, I think that it should be used as an avenue for change. Um, so my thought process is, you know, in my little corner of the world uh, here in uh, coastal Delaware, <laughs> uh, right. maybe I can uh, share some of my thoughts. Um, and maybe start to create almost like a train reaction uh, to really solve these uh, issues that are going to end up, you know, kind of uh, kicking us in the ass later on, uh, if mm. not, you know, taking our lives from us. Wow. So if you were born in a different era, where would you want to exist hmm. as a as a poet as a poet um my answer would be um i guess around the time that uh words started to be written down i don't have a specific uh date or time for that but i mm -hmm. feel like uh with my uh, purpose in poetry to uh, share my my words and everything like that in order to uh, influence the environment around me. Um, I would want to maybe start as early as possible uh, in order to like maybe if I could prevent some of the like atrocities uh, from from occurring. You know, in of course in my little. Uh, circle of uh, people or uh, the, the audience that I'm able to reach. So as mm. early as possible. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I can see you during a, ancient Greek or Roman times standing on a rock in the middle of a square sharing your work. <laughs> I love that imagery. Um, no, yeah, I'm serious. Because you speak with such time. conviction. I mean, you don't write about fluff. <laughs> I do not. Although uh, that has given me great inspiration, so I might have to get back to you on that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can really see you standing in a square, <laughs> letting the world know about the things that you view as being important. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to reflect on that a little bit more. Uh, thank you well, for sharing your thoughts about that. Well, I'm surprised you didn't say that when you write about... Um, um, well, maybe the, the magic piece, but I don't know. I just assumed that that was part of your way of being. Yeah. No, I definitely pull um, a lot of influence from that uh, era of uh, written word. Um, I 
definitely have um, a few uh, things that I'm working on uh, that kind of invoke those types of myths. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, personally, like uh, the past few years, uh, what I've been doing is uh, kind of like reconnecting with uh, my uh, lineage. So I've been mm-hmm. uh, looking a lot at like Celtic mythology. Uh, okay. So I kind of want to explore that a little bit more. Um, so I guess this is to be continued. <laughs> All right. Yes. I'll invite you back for part two. Please share another poem. Absolutely. Um, This is a shorter piece, um, and it is titled uh, Diplomacy. How does a cornered animal make its point without a snarl? I never used to bite at ankles. I would cough up pretty flowers into my hands and offer bouquets in my speech. Former expert in platitudes, I implored, please don't mind the bloodstains on the blooms I gifted you. There was and is a deluge of crimson within me that I cannot quite contain anymore because how is it fair to euthanize the reactive instead of the provocative? My teeth are bared in casual conversation as they confine my kin to the shadows. Rabid woman, diagnosed with depravity, must have chewed on her frontal lobe, so pay her no mind. And don't listen too closely to her ramblings. Pitiful creature. She used to be so diplomatic. The honey source from her lips was the best I ever tasted. What a shame. What a shame. Thank you. Wow. Your work touches me in a different kind of way. Oh? I'm still processing. Take as long as you need to. (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The depth of your work still only scratches the surface in terms of who you are. That's how I see it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like um, at this point in time, um, I am 22 years old. <laughs> um, so I'm just making sure that, uh, you know, I'm uh, – kind of easing my way into that as, you okay. know, my frontal lobe is still developing. Uh, yes, I'm sure <laughs> mm-hmm. that I know exactly who I am before I tell everybody. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, like I say again, it's just like we're on the cusp of something that's amazing. It's yet to be fully formed, but it's marvelous. Incredible. Thank you. Oh, I Um, need it. And yeah, and uh, some of the pieces that I'll be sharing a little bit later in the program are going to be a little bit more personal. Uh, So kind of working from the macro scale down to the micro. Okay. Okay. 
So how has your so how has your idea of poetry changed since you began writing poems? Well, um, I think so. Uh, embarrassingly, I used to write poetry in middle school. Uh, okay. That is uh, definitely a confession. It was <laughs> it was not good poetry. Uh, it was uh, all form um, and no substance. Uh, so. Definitely um, in the early stages of my life when I was uh, kind of working on, like, my written voice, um, Mm -hmm. I was definitely focusing on uh, making sure that it looked pretty, uh, but I wasn't really talking about anything in it. Um, So I would say from then when I was uh, a preteen, uh, to where I am now, um, I would say that now I definitely focus on substance uh, more than uh, form. I definitely don't really stick to uh, the uh, structural uh, form of it. Um, so I would say in that regard, that has changed through my uh, journey as a as an artist. You know, when I, I didn't start uh, sharing or writing poetry until I was maybe 33, 34, and people always looked at me as if I was strange. What did you think? I don't care now. It's 30 years later. I don't care. But <laughs> what, what do you think? makes poets different from others? From Maybe like we're not other, different from uh, others. Other people. Artists? Yes. Or that. Okay. What makes that us different? That is a really good question. Um, well, there's the stereotype, of course, of uh, poets kind of being these, like, hopeless romantic types. Um I, I do think that I personally fit that bill. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely okay. not doing anything to uh, dismantle any stereotypes. Uh, I definitely feel like I'm uh, that type of uh, a person. Um, so I would say uh, that, like, first of all. Um, and second, I would say that... Um, I feel like everybody writes in some ways, um, rather it be like, whether it be like journaling um, or, you know, having like a little diary, something like that. They might be, you know, just like writing uh, emails uh, at their nine to five. Um, I think what separates uh, like writers um, and and poets more specifically is that um, they take the time to sit with their ability to write um, Mm -hmm. and they find something within their words that are like that that tells them oh i need to share this with somebody there's that call uh that's what it is it's it's a call to um to action that really separates uh poets from uh uh i guess non-creatives uh like non-practicing creatives, um, and uh, I wouldn't be able to make a distinction with, like, 
poets versus other artists. But I okay. do think what separates poets from the uh, broad uh, spectrum of people is that that call to action, definitely. So what makes your work unique or stand out? Hmm. Um, I, a very surface level answer, uh, okay. because it's coming from, from me, uh, mm-hmm. which can be said about like any other artist, uh, of course. Um, but I think, yeah, um, it's, I feel like, um, to know that, uh, you are an artist and to, uh, hone your craft and everything like that, what separates you is the laundry list of influences, the, um, vocabulary that you have to kind of wield um, and the topics that you want to focus on. I think that uh, what separates me is um, kind of what I focus on in in my little corner um, and the way that I put things. Very nice. I like that. So if I walked up to you with your book and I was planning to purchase it, what advice would you give me? Hmm. For, uh, like, basically going into reading it or just in general advice? No, uh, advice in terms of reading it. Um, I would say, uh, uh, go into your, your space, uh, turn off the big light, uh, uh, light up like a little lamp. Uh, maybe listen to uh, some some soft piano music uh, while you are uh, going into it. And um, I usually like to do this where uh, if I'm sharing work in like an intimate space, uh, mm-hmm. I would also let them know the contents uh, that are uh, within the piece that they're going to be reading or listening to. Yes. Uh, just to make sure it's not going to catch you at a bad time. It's going to remind you of something uh, really terrible that happened. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be able to be there <laughs> and be like, hey, it's okay. It's just art, you know? Yes. Um, so, yeah, get comfortable and uh, just remind them that there are going to be uh, some sensitive topics within the, okay. uh, within so, the work. What do you think your work conveys about the human condition? Mm. Uh, If you're still formulating it, I know I am. (laughs) So (laughs) you can say pass. (laughs) Um, Well, we kind of touched on it uh, within my little uh, biography. I guess, like, the beauty and horror of being alive. (laughs) Um, I think um, what I convey in my work is um, even if I am focusing on something that is uh, very, very heavy, um, I usually will try to switch to a different perspective uh, within the work or in any subsequent works, 
I'll try to tackle things from multiple angles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that um, what I convey about the, the human experience is uh, just the, the variety of ways that you can uh, look at a situation um, and how mm-hmm. you uh, proceed uh, from that situation. Very nice. Please share a poem. Sure. Um, So like I said, this is going to be a little bit more personal. Uh, This is going to touch upon the topic of sexual assault. Uh, So just want to let the listeners know uh, this is going to be a bit more of a heavy one. And this is called The Crossroads. Vigilance is the family heirloom she did not inherit before you met her at the crossroads. Too young to know to regard a man like a loaded gun, but old enough to know not to wander after dark. Overripe fruit plated on finery, corpse cold to the touch, a feast just for you behind the door of your parents' bedroom. Her friends were busy getting sick in the bathroom, and the living room sang the ballad of cheap Russian vodka and teenage madness. She felt your appetite fill the room before you entered. The hallway outside stole the air to create more room for your desires. Your hungry hands ran over the flag you planted months before as a landmark of your new world discovery. You had the decency to apologize, but not enough to look her in her vacant eyes when you pulled her unmentionables off, immoderate fingers searching for a cliff to jump from. She slept at the foot of the bed like a dog on a January night, but she was still the bullet-riddled soup cans you shot in the backyard and the fruit that stained the white button-down of your Sunday best, anything tragically inanimate, anything without a stay. You can find her at the railroad tracks across town, always fidgeting with her hereditary curse and never dressed for the weather. Listener, leave the sign of peace your neighbor gave you under the mattress before venturing off into the night. There are thieves about and their scorned women offer nothing but commiseration. Avenge me by packing a pistol in your garter belt. Spill blood in self-defense. I will mimic your prayers for absolution long beyond my dying breath. Thank you. Wow. I need a second. That was really, really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, it uh, definitely uh, provided me that catharsis when I was uh, all finished up with it. Mm-hmm. Has a poem you've written ever humbled or frightened you? Yes. Um, <laughs> there um <laughs> There is uh, one uh, that uh, I might be sharing a little bit later on that definitely did that to me, um, Mm -hmm. where uh, I was just like, first of all, I don't know where this came from, 
like this finished product <laughs> and um I just looked over at it and I was like wow I am I was frightened by um how I was just able to express that vulnerability uh mm-hmm. and just really not sugarcoat um okay. that was a surprise as well you know speaking of sugarcoating We live in a tough world. There's good, bad, ugly, as well as indifferent. And I think you've already answered this, but I just want to hear it one more time. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? In a nutshell. Sure. Um, Definitely, uh, definitely for change. Um, But uh, as we may have touched on a little bit earlier, um, I do think that poetry doesn't have to be like, you have to act now. Uh, You can't sleep. (laughs) You have to go and do a thing. Um, I think that it should also be a space for for solace. Um, What I like to think about is um, it's, And I'm sure that you have felt this before, either uh, uh, sharing or reading a work. Um, Mm -hmm. You feel that energy exchange, you know, like where you're um, interacting with this this page where somebody has uh, just, like, bared their soul. And you feel that, like, buzzing, that, like, uh, resonation that in your chest almost. Um, Mm -hmm. And the poet should almost be able to, like, rise up, like, almost like an apparition and be like, hey, um, you know, you're, you're not alone if you're seeing yourself in the words of somebody that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to get through this because we always have. You know, you're still here. Uh, we are going to persevere. Um, just, you know, hang tight. We got this. <laughs> Wow, wow. Because for some, including myself, periodically, hanging tight is tough. <laughs> you know, oh you want to let go. Yeah. Oh, my you God, let, yeah. You let go. <laughs> what did you yeah, say? Yeah, I don't want to hang tight. I just want to feel okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that yeah, poetry should definitely be like, hey, I see you. Um, mm-hmm. I understand what you're feeling. Um, and just like that little affirmation of like, we're we're going to persevere because you've dealt with all of the uh, really traumatic or terrible things in the past. We're going to get through this because guess what? You got through that. Um, mm-hmm. what's, what's a little more? <laughs> well, you know, in your last piece, the word you use in your bio is amplify. I felt like you, your voice was amplified in that piece. Definitely. So yeah. what is... Um, and I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, and I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely once you get to the, like more of the personal level that 
uh, you're going to feel like your voice just kind of rising um, above you, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as like a, a an artist, you're going to definitely feel like it transcends you. All right. So what is then the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice? Hmm. Um, uh, so the written, the written voice definitely informs the uh, auditory delivery of it. Um, okay. But I do think that there's a bit of a distinction uh For me personally, I feel like my written word uh, is a little bit quieter, if that makes sense, like just because I'm not speaking it aloud. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I do think that uh, with my spoken word, I'm definitely a bit more uh, defiant in the way that I'm delivering and uh, definitely expressing some of the more uh, passionate types of feelings. Uh, within my my speaking voice. All right, all right. You know, we've reached the favorite part, my favorite part of the program. I view it as being a mini poetry concert. This is an opportunity for you to share four, five, six of your works uninterrupted, no questions for me. Siobhan, you're on the stage. Perfect. Thank you. Um, So... This uh, is going to be touching on the uh, topic of grooming, Uh, so I just want to put that out there. This is called, This is Not the Body You Touched. I left the forest on all fours, frantically covered the hoof prints and the pools I drew from the mud of the verklempt earth. I chastised and even still continue to berate the trembles I could not help underneath your palms, underneath your thumb, underneath your gaze, which through alchemy formed crimson snowflakes within my veins. Hunted for sport, you donned a cloak of oak and green. You learned the distinction between the sounds of a world that never stills and the sounds of a potential meal. Blighty game is only appetizing before the kill, but those who don't give much chase are dringy and lack flavor. Therefore, the most satisfying of meat is tracked, lured, broken, and devoured. I can't remember the first time I felt the threat of your eyes, blue and wide, without disguised intentions, if I dared to meet them. If curiosity superseded self-preservation, if knowing was better than suspecting. Throwing caution to the downwind, you stepped undetected, a lingering stare as if you were committing me to memory, a notation of ticks and history you forged for without rustling the detritus, a touch of plausible deniability on my shoulders and my back, a damning hand above the swell of my chest. A word or two or three, the trees repeat within my sleep. Huntress, did you have a spot on the wall to hang my head? Did you plan to... 
run your hands over your lifeless prize, take your time as you fucked wool into my core with your fingers, a perverted act of taxidermy? Do you think of the type of animal to offer its neck in surrender to a blade? I'm not a deer that freezes on the asphalt or in the in the front of the gaping maw of a loaded gun. I am not prey. I am not a trophy. And I am not a child anymore. This is not the body you touched. My antlers have grown barbs and thorns and the wood whispers of your imminent demise. Called your cardigan. I wore one of your cardigans today. It certainly isn't cashmere. You were always a frugal woman, but it's soft and warm enough so that I don't shiver in the face of, spring, of Mother Nature's spring-flavored unpredictability. The rain returned and so did the water in my eyes. I was told that you gave me your optimism. I just hope it wasn't mistakenly placed in the bag we gave to the thrift store. I wore your cardigan today. It is less of a depressing eyesore than my morning clothes, but it serves the same purpose. I perfected the artful body language of grief like I've been walking in my own personal procession for weeks, but the change from black to gray assuages my mother's anxieties about me, even if they are warranted. I wore your cardigan tonight. I pulled it close when the briny bay breeze shook the entire biome of unripe greenery in the path of my evening stroll. The moon looked about half empty, which is the same way I tend to view the proverbial cup. I am still trying to find the positivity you supposedly left me. I wore your cardigan today. I bargained I could get away with it and claim that I tossed it in the wash, even though I haven't attempted that in weeks. In fact, this is probably the only article of clothing I won't include in that first load of laundry when I bring myself to do it. Maybe I will never clean it out of the fear that the essence of you will be stripped from the fibers. This is my delusional way of keeping you around. I wore your cardigan today. I experienced flashbacks in a sickeningly quick sequence resembling strobe lights or a frantically paced nightmare. I should have held your hand. I should have held your hand. I should have held your hand. I wore your cardigan today. To be fair, I woke with it clutched in my fist, wrinkled by corpse-colored knuckles and covered in invisible salt stains. My muscle memory serves me well, but I anticipate poor reviews for the performance I've delivered. The facial muscles of my audience members twitch in pity as I fumble my lines, and I feel like the spotlight might give me a heat stroke. Acting has never been a strong suit of mine anyway. I wore your cardigan today. I didn't have the energy to lie to myself. I just really fucking missed you. I watch incoming calls come and go, the feel of familiar fabric around my torso, and the acidic aftertaste of the consequences of daytime drinking keeping me grounded in this heavy reality. Can I package myself into a crisp envelope and send my soul to you without being returned to the sender? 
Can the higher power show mercy and let me hold your hand? I chose not to wear your cardigan today. Instead, I sat at the foot of your freshly dug bed of dirt next to the love that left you years before you left me. I don't think the grief will ever truly cease, but I will will myself into embodying the ivy and find every place where I can grow around it. There might be some optimism in that. And this is your comings and goings. It's coming up on a year of days too long, too frequent the visions of burial dirt, and too many the words put to parchment but never spoken aloud. You live beyond comprehension now, in a place where mortals cannot hear faint reverb of verse, cannot feel hands gripping bone crushingly tight my own, cannot see whitewater rapid eyes dance a duet of humor in front of mine. When you told me the sun was too angry to play outside, I wish I had known I would have chosen to watch television with you. No begrudging attitude, again and again and again. See your face in the glow of synthetic light. Feel the beating pulse of love I did not appreciate. Hear your laughter like thunder to a joke I did not understand. I think I understand now. This would be the time the cruel joke of it all would end if it was one. Lessons learned and the pain would dissipate like cigarette smoke taken by the March-chilled wind. But it will be a year tomorrow. And grief is the touchstone I keep in my pocket to remind me of the love you left me with. Can you feel the hugs? Can you feel the hugs? Thank you very much. Wow. I finally realize what it is. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, I've heard your work a number of times, and I've heard the power in your work, the rawness, the realness of what you share. But I think... Tonight, I was expecting the person on the promotional flyer with your hands over your eyes and your poetry being really quiet, almost meek. Um, And then when you came with you, it was shocking. Well, uh, I do like subverting expectations, uh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm serious. That picture, tell me about that picture. I've never seen one like that before. All right. So um, this is a slight confession. Uh, That was uh, taken by um, a, a former lover of mine. Um, I don't think that I have told him that I'm using that. We'll, we'll go past that real quick. Okay. Um, so it was at the, um, aquatic gardens, um, in, is it Kenilworth aquatic gardens in DC? Okay. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just uh, was kind of like looking through my photo gallery uh, when uh, I was kind of just building this uh, presence of the um, of uh, my written work. And I saw that and I was like, that's exactly what I need because uh, I feel like that specific picture provides a bit of an anonymity um, on on top of my um, my pseudonym. Uh, so it provides me the ability to be raw, vulnerable, and honest uh, without, I guess, attaching my myself like who I am uh, beyond uh, writing and art in general. Um, it's it's giving me that avenue where I can give that very vulnerable expression, uh, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have to be traced back to me. You know, the the hands are over the face. You're you're not getting uh, uh, my appearance from that, um, and you're also not getting my uh, my government name. <laughs> right. <laughs> well. I knew there was something. You won't be able to find me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't. Uh, I knew I knew there was something about that picture. And tonight, the way that I felt, how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying so. Um, yeah, it is. It has been a lovely journey with you tonight. Um, yeah. This is uh, this is so meaningful to me, and I hope that you know that. Well, maybe that's why I was nervous because I didn't know where it was going to go, and I feel a level or a sense of synchronicity with you. So that made me nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm. I do apologize for the the anxiety that I've delivered onto you. <laughs> um, but, um, oh, I've had worse. <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, before we wrap up, Writing poetry can be an emotionally draining and stressful pursuit. How do you handle that? And do you have any tips for aspiring writers? Sure. Um, so in terms of how I recover from the harm I inflict on myself by writing, <laughs> is, yes. um, I, I have a wonderful therapist. Um, who I've been working with for a few years. Honestly, without her, um, I probably wouldn't have been able to be so honest in my body of work. Um, okay. And I definitely lean very heavily on my loved ones. Um, I know some of you are listening. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um, I, I just want to say, like, just for a second, thank you. Um, you know, who, whoever's ears uh, this is falling on uh, that know me personally, uh, heartfelt thank you so much um, for all of the support that you've given me, um, all of the uh, ways that you have suffered through my endless anxiety about uh, <laughs> uh, playing around with uh, writing and stuff like that. 
um, and just thank you for the love. Uh, and I hope that uh, you guys feel uh, a reciprocal amount of love coming from me. Um, I love you guys so much. <laughs> but um, back to the question, uh, definitely lean very heavily on my support network. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely have a really good uh, network of people that uh, kind of lift me up when I'm down. I'm definitely very grateful, very privileged for that. Um, and in terms of advice, um, I would say start out with the feeling. Um, try to try to process the feeling first uh, before uh, going to write about it. I think that having um, having a good perspective on the thing that you're writing about, first of all, it's going to be less um, taxing for you if you've kind of already processed the memory uh, mostly. Um, and two, it's going to give you uh, a really good uh, jumping off point to be able to narrow down what metaphor you want to use, uh, what type mm -hmm. of language you want to include in it. Um, I think that definitely taking the time, uh, maybe even like mapping out the feelings that you want to uh, uh, put into the piece, uh, what you're going to be focusing on, what you want to share and what you don't want to share, you know, stuff like that. Uh, just kind of get a game plan beforehand and then uh, just uh, stream of consciousness. Just write, write anything and everything that's coming down. You can always strike it later. Um, and uh, if you're not feeling the inspiration, uh, we are in a Venus retrograde right now, you know, <laughs> so um, definitely don't force it, um, but definitely push yourself if you think that there's that light at the end of the tunnel, like you're going to get there, you're going to get this idea on paper, you just need, I guess, be able to discern whether it's a lack of inspiration or um, a lack of direction. Mm. Thank you. Do you think you were meant to be a poet? Well, um, I think something is, like, forcing my hand in the matter. Okay, <laughs> uh, like okay. Like we kind of talked about before, like, uh, it definitely feels like something kind of takes over uh, when I'm writing. Uh, so I don't know if I have much choice in the matter. <laughs> um, okay. But, yeah, uh I definitely feel like uh, I'm meant to be one. Um, it's definitely the thing that I've been the most passionate about in my uh, short time on this uh, here planet. <laughs> well, what surprises you most about being a poet? Mm, um, I guess the... Uh, the negative space on the page, like what is not said. Um, I definitely have had quite a journey limiting my uh, how, how verbose I'm being in my writing. Okay. Um, and right. I think what surprises me the most is how uh, something can be more poignant if there is less said 
than what is said. Uh, mm. So I guess what surprises me the most is how um, how emotionally stimulating it can be to look at the blankness of a, a page. Um, I'm still kind of playing around with it a little bit uh, for, for my body of work, but uh, that's definitely something that's been surprising to me. If poetry were banned tomorrow, what would you do? If it were to what? If it were banned. Oh, banned. Yes, yes, banned. Um, I guess I'd start writing a script. <laughs> um, if poetry specifically was banned, I'd probably um, find any way to uh, work around that um, while also uh, taking to the, the streets and being like, hey, why did you ban it? Um, can can okay. you bring right. it back? Um, definitely, definitely some organizing around that because I, I would never want that to happen. All right. We're almost there. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because staying silent is not an option. Why do you write, Shabbat? Well, um, I really like the latter half of what you said. Um, a quote that's kind of been uh, sticking around in my brain, I forget where it's from, but it's from like this classical piece. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it says, is it better to speak or to die? Um, I think it's better to speak because we're all guaranteed death anybody, anyway. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I think... Yeah, I think that poetry is probably um, the truest form of expression for me, um, and I I really enjoy kind of just putting my all of my thoughts and feelings surrounding something into something that's succinct and something that really encapsulates everything that I'm feeling. I think that's why I do it. Um, it's um, it's a way to kind of look back and be like, okay, um, this is a record of uh, me as a person, and oh my God, look how much I've grown from that. Look how much I've learned about the world around us. Um, look, look how I was able to kind of put that thing that I thought was going to bother me until the end of time. Look how I was able to put that to bed. It's kind of like a... Um, a checkpoint as well for me personally. It's like, uh, am I am I t- continuing to grow? Am I uh, taking in different perspectives about things? Am I uh, adapting with the changing circumstances of the times that we're in? Wow. Well, we've reached the end of our poetic journey. Where do you go from here? What's next? What's next? Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, upcoming, um, I will be uh, featured in the uh, uh, Poets Anonymous anthology um, called Gathering. Um, so one of one of my poems will be uh, featured there. Uh, so I'll probably be um, hanging out at the launch event over there. But um, 
just generally I'll be uh, reading, uh, honing my craft, and, uh, yeah, you'll probably be able to find me near the beach. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Javon Clover, I want to thank you so much for gracing us tonight with your work. It's, like I said, again, it's beyond the norm. And I commend you for speaking thank your you truth. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, coming from you, um, that is uh, definitely high praise. Um, and uh, I'm definitely going to keep the very kind things that you've said to me uh, in my in my pocket, and I'll be able to pull it out uh, when I'm I'm feeling low. I'll be like, well, Michael likes my work. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, I do. And if you ever want to come back and just read poetry, the door is always open. Thank you very much. Um, yes. It is, like I said before, it has been an honor and a privilege uh, to speak with you tonight. Um, this is uh, something I honestly didn't think was going to come until a little bit later in my career. Uh, so wow, thank you no. for helping me check off a, a bucket list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're ready for it all. <laughs> I think you're ready for yeah. it all. You, you are oh. a superstar, a poetic superstar. <laughs> and I plan to follow your career. All right? Oh, you are too kind. Thank you. Thank you for All what right. you do. All right. Thank you. All right, everyone. We've reached the end of another program. And as I share with you every time we're together, let poetry ring somewhere throughout the land. Good night, Siobhan. Good night, Michael. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com.